Hello and welcome to Stahlcast, a pod about the Bundesliga and all things German football. Today, in our inaugural edition, we will talk Bayern getting a tasty three points takeaway from Jürgen Klinsmann's off-license in Berlin, find out about Erling Haaland scoring an improper hat-trick in his debut for Dortmund, check in on the state of the Union and Leipzig's title credentials, and we'll listen to Weston McKennie reveal the very moment David Wagner won over the Schalke team. All of this and more in Stahlkast. Hallo, I'm Raphael Honigstein and it's not just another Germanic Monday, it's a fun day. And today's Bengals, with an E, not an A, joining me are Elf Freundes Christoph Biermann in Berlin and Jonathan Harding from Deutsche Welle in Bonn. Welcome, fellas. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, guys, so let's start from the start. Schalke against Gladbach on Friday night. Were you surprised, Jonathan, that one of this season's two surprise teams actually lost? Uh, not really. I think it's on, on brand, really, for the Bundesliga because it's, it's such a difficult league to predict. You know, Gladbach have been good this season. They've been bad as well. And the same is true of Schalke. I just, I thought Schalke deserved it. Uh, the first half took a bit of time to get going, but in the second, uh, they were just a better team. And who would have thought that a player like Suat Serdar would become the centerpiece of a David Wagner side? You know, I think a lot of things are coming together for for Schalke and Gladbach. Just unpredictable, a bit like the league, as I say. And who would have thought, Christoph, that Schalke would come together as a team so quickly under Wagner? They must be ahead of schedule, surely. Yeah, very much so. Um... I think they are, in a way, the surprise team uh, of the season, or one of the surprise teams of, of the season. And uh, and I found them very, very impressive against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. I think there was a lot of criticism towards Borussia Mönchengladbach not playing well and not uh, being up to it at the restart of the season. But uh, I think the, all the credentials go to, to Schalke because they pressed so intensively, uh, they were well organized, so they were very David Wagner-ish on that day. Yeah, and Marco Rosa made the point, I think, that they ran two kilometers more than the Gladbach team. It's strange in a way, because you think it shouldn't really make that much of a difference at this level if you wanted a bit more and run a bit more, but it clearly did, Christoph. It's not so much the wanting. Um, I think they were really, really... So so they, they got easily into to the game and then um, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach didn't have the chance to, to, to establish their own game and uh, that was key. They were so good in... In the Zweikämpfe, what's uh, and uh, <laughs> the duels, the duels. The, in, so the Zweikampfführung was so good, and um, and and uh, um, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach didn't uh, never had an answer to it. Jonathan, do you think that people are perhaps seeing Wagner in a slightly different light? I think I got the feeling that he was perhaps a little bit underestimated coming in. Uh, from his Huddersfield time into, into the Bundesliga. And maybe one or two clubs think differently about him now after seeing his impact early on with Schalke. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely the case. I mean, they already have the same points now than they had in the whole of last season. You know, I think that that definitely means that the managers made an impact. And I think a lot of people thought he was just a, a youth coach from Dortmund, you know, add another one to the list of youth coaches from Dortmund that have been exported. And I think... Coming back to the Bundesliga and taking that job, uh, people looked at Huddersfield and thought, oh yeah, it's not, not comparable, Schalke's going to be too big. And obviously Schalke have a long list of managers who came proclaiming that they were going to be the saviour and get this club back to where it should be and, and failed. But I don't think Wagner's done that. And I think that's been one of the reasons that he's been so successful. He's obviously just 
kept his feet on the ground and kept the squad's feet on the ground and played 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 it very calmly, you know, and got his team playing uh, effective and hard-working football, like uh, Christoph just said. You know, Benito Raman was like a man possessed on Friday night. I can't remember the last time somebody ran so much on a pitch. When I worked for the uh, Bundesliga International Magazine, I suggested we did not do an article a few years ago about Schalke being turned around under the new management of Christian Heidel and Domenico Tedesco. Mm. And they all just looked at me and said, we've done this article like five or six times over the last 10 years. <laughs> uh, Schalke are always being turned around. But, Christoph, is it different this time? Is this the transformative manager that, that this club has been looking for for so long? It looks a bit like this. Um, and, um, and also, when you look at the kind of uh, uh, sports back office, uh, uh, Jan Schneider and Michael Reschke uh, uh, assembling the team in the back, and but obviously David Wagner seems to be the the key for 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 this uh, uh, transformation because they didn't spend so much money uh, in uh, at the start of the season, so they didn't have the chance to renew a team that looked dead almost uh, last season so uh, and a desperate case and and uh, with just some a little tiny shift some new players brought in Jonathan mentioned uh, Benito Raman um, who is who is uh, playing very well now um, it's it looks like uh, a new Schalke and how far can this new Schalke go I mean are they realistic contenders for the top four or have they been getting a little bit lucky with their results and relying on other people's weakness so far they are a bit lucky, but uh, they're also uh, they're also a, a, a strong team now, and the, you could see it on, on on Friday against Borussia Mönchengladbach. So I, I found that really impressive. I think for for me they are not a title contender, not at all. Uh, there there is a lack of, of of quality for that, but um, they will be in the run for the uh, uh, Champions League until the end of the season. I'm pretty sure about that. Okay, we'll have to talk Gladbach as well in a second. But before that, uh, in the winter break, I had a chance to actually go and speak to Schalke and US men's national team midfielder Weston McKenney and asked him, Weston, what was the very moment that you felt David Wagner got this team on his side? And this is what he told me. I think the I can't give you a specific moment, but I can tell you what it was. I think for us, it was him telling us to play, even in the tight spaces. And, and you know, him, even he showed us this stands out to me. I, I don't know why, but it does. You know, he showed us video against Bayern when we played them, and and most of his video that he showed was us kicking the ball long and saying, "Why are you kicking the ball long? They're they're a team. You know, they have good players, of course, but you guys can play. Look at this situation here. You kick the ball long. You could have taken a touch and played directly to him. Why are you doing that?" And you and as a player, you know, you, you sit there and you're like, oh, shit, well, he's kind of right. Like, why why did we do that? You know, it's, I mean, yeah, it's Byron, but still, you know, you, you, he instills confidence in us to try and play against any team. It doesn't matter who it is. And, and I think that's that's something that's really stood out to most of the players this season. You know, that's what makes soccer fun for us again. I mean, it's the whole point of soccer, so... Uh, to enjoy it and have fun and 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 try to win games so and i think he uh he definitely helps the team in many many ways and the coaching staff helps the team in many many ways to do that 
Uh, Weston McKinney talking a bit of Wagner love there. Uh, there's actually an extended version of this interview coming up on The Athletic later on. Check out that. But Christoph, Schalke playing football is not perhaps the first thing we associate this team, but somehow I think the message seems to have filtered through that they can do more than perhaps they themselves expect of themselves. Yeah, um, I, I, but I think the foundation of, of what, what they are doing is, is uh, uh, playing against the ball. So they're very good with it. And, and uh, fr from, from this ground, they um, uh, start to uh, have started to develop uh, their football. And, and you, you can see some nice uh, combinations when, when, when Schalke is playing also. But again, uh, the, the foundation, the basics of, of their, um, their approach is, is uh, how intense, uh, intensively they are uh, working against the opposing team. And that is very impressive. And, and then they, they, they show some, uh, some quality. And uh, and that's what uh, Weston was saying. Okay, Jonathan. Before we move on, one quick word on Gladbach. Just a bad day at the office for them, or signs of some sort of more structural weakness for you? No, I think it was just one of those. I mean, first game back, you know, Marco Rosa, you know, sort of hinted at that afterwards. He said, you know, we just got to go back to work and get things right. I mean, you know, Jan Sommer in the first half had a really good first half. And for a long time, it looked like Schalke were going to have one of those days where they were just going to be unlucky in front of goal and Gladbach were going to do the, the defensive work. But I think, you know, Christoph touched on it earlier. They weren't able to fashion any work uh, in attack, any real chances of note. And I think if that's, you know, you're, never, you're not going to win any games without wishing to sound too cliched if you can't really pose any threat to the, uh, to the opposition going forward. So I wouldn't worry about them in the long term. Uh, I think it's just a setback. The other Borussia certainly presented lots of threats for the opposition goal, but also their own goal. Uh, playing against <laughs> Augsburg in a typically uh, crazy 5-3 uh, win. Uh, Erling Haaland with the hat-trick. Or was it a hat-trick, Christoph? Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. It was. So I'm not, not very Germanic about it. I mean, we have this strange discussion of the, the, the uh, pure hat-trick or the real hat-trick in, in Germany. And it must be within uh, a half and uh, within one half time. And nobody is scoring in between. But I think this uh, discussion is gone. A hat-trick is a hat-trick if somebody scores three goals. Okay. Amen to that. Um, I'm, I'm off Amen, that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> British definition. Christoph, is, is Erling Haaland uh, perhaps a slightly different player than usual? What I mean by that is usually, uh, especially young players, they come in to be developed by a manager. Is he the first high-profile <laughs> player that comes in to develop the manager? <laughs> oh, that's very well, very good. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, actually, I think it's. I mean, if you look at it at the at the beginning of the season, uh, Borussia wanted to sign a typical number nine, and in a way, um, Favre refused it. He wanted to play like uh, a false nine and uh, playing with Götze. I mean, and 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 Paco Alcázar, who is not a false nine, but he is not a very very active uh, number. Nine, so when he's uh, he is not doing much against the ball. So um, in a way, they um, uh, so so the, the, they they found out Borussia Dortmund that that was uh, their main problem in the first first half of the season, and now obviously they've solved it. Uh, solved it. I mean, uh, that was a uh, very impressive, and I think also on a. On a psychological level, um, it's it's very important because um, Haaland 
plays a football that Borussia Dortmund fans love. He is like boom. He he's he's outgoing. He is uh, uh, expressive and 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 I think that's a, a kind of player that Borussia Dortmund desperately needed. Not only because of the three goals. Jonathan, can you remember a player uh, at this age on his debut changing not just the game, but as Christoph said, also the whole psychology? Without this result, without his goals, we would have been having another father discussion talking about Dortmund being unable to defend, being probably out of the title race. But uh, it's completely different, all thanks to him or mostly thanks to him. Yeah, I mean, mostly thanks to him. I don't know. I mean, obviously in a different way, when Goethe came onto the scene, it felt, you know, different in terms of, of his the way he plays football. But impact-wise, yeah, I mean, he was phenomenal back then. But this is, Christoph you know, hit it on the head there, you know, he's explosive. I think what, what really sort of made the, the mark on me was that it looked so easy for him. I mean... The first goal is unbelievable. You know, he's such a big guy, but he's able to. He doesn't even take a touch for that that goal. Obviously, the second one is a tap in, but you know, the the third one is also really well taken. It's just it's such composure. It's almost this confidence that you wouldn't expect someone of that age to have on debut off the bench in a difficult situation in a new environment, and yet he has it all. And you know, even after the game, the way he was talking. You know, I, I heard that brilliant quote of, of sort of him saying to Michel Zork, the, the sporting director, well, this is why you signed me, isn't it? You know, that's why you bought me. And I think that's it. He's got the confidence, but he's also got the ability to back it up. You know, and I'm just so impressed with the ease in which he, he scored those goals. And Dortmund fans should be excited. I mean, he's a very explosive player. Very explosive. And uh, Christoph, I mean, we talked about this a little bit early on, but... Do you think that there is almost an element of Favre being forced to play a certain way now, even if deep down he would prefer a slightly more controlled attitude? I mean, it was so noticeable that Dortmund once again really started playing when they changed the formation, threw men forward. They didn't have the control of the ball so much, but they were overpowering Augsburg. Surely Favre must see that. I, I, I'm not, 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 not really sure about if, if, uh, if uh, Favre has been uh, um, forced uh, into his luck uh, with Haaland. Uh, maybe if, if you look at it in uh, last summer, maybe there was actually not a player available um, that would have fit Borussia Dortmund. So with the quality um, they uh, they are looking for and the money they're having, maybe the market was not there for them. And um, now they had the opportunity to get one of the most exciting um, uh, young young uh, forwards in in Europe, and I mean uh, that Holland is a, uh, is an outstanding player. I mean that wasn't a secret. You could you could see it on the on the big stage of uh, international football this year. So um, and so so maybe it's a it's a mixture of uh, uh, luck and a bit of force, and uh, maybe uh, in the end, uh, Lucien Favre is very happy to have him. Okay, but we do have to talk about uh, the defending or the lack of defending or the inept defending or the horrific defending that we saw from from Dortmund. Christoph, what is going on there? If if I would know, <laughs> I would tell them, or probably not. Uh, it's it's something they they've been working on uh, uh, for 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 a long time this season. 
because you um, what you see is they play very often played uh, pretty well and then they made these uh, freak errors I mean freak errors in, in in respect to the quality the team is is having is that a lack of um, quality a lack of organization is it uh, because maybe one of some of the uh, players are overwhelmed by the pressure they're having at Borussia Dortmund I'm actually not sure about it and I think uh, even at Borussia Dortmund uh, people don't have the the full answer to it so I think it's a mix of uh, different things one of the um, slightly different ways of Lucien Favre's game is that he is probably one of the few managers in the Bundesliga at least among the top teams who doesn't play with a very aggressive pressing Chris, um, Jonathan, is that one of the issues you think that this team can be a little bit passive? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, and it starts at the back. I, I sometimes thought that in the Augsburg game they tried to force the issue when it when it wasn't necessary, and sometimes they did need to be um, passive. But there are obviously other times where they need to be more active. But then they need to be smart when they make those decisions. You know, I thought Manuel Akanji, who was such an impressive player when he arrived, has had an incredible drop off. Um, you know, sometimes he would be forcing those vertical passes as a centre-back through the midfield lines, but not making smart decisions. You know, and I think for me, even in those situations, as Christoph was talking about the quality of these players, that falls into the category of freak errors. Because well, we talk a lot about Mats Hummels' passing ability, and obviously it was on show again at times in this game, but it doesn't help if you're going to invite the opposition to attack you if you're just going to pass them the ball regularly. And I don't know what it is, you know, whether it's a case of, of inviting teams onto them in, in stages of the game when they shouldn't be passive, as you mentioned, or whether it's just a case of not having the clarity of mind to make smart decisions, because those errors are, are completely avoidable. You know, it just, it blows my mind that even now, you know, we're still talking about Bristol Dortmund's defensive woes, you know, whether it's being exposed to, to counterattacks or being open on the break or making errors like that. It just, I don't understand it. Uh, I've, I've been talking to um, uh, Hans-Joachim Watzke, the CEO of Borussia Dortmund, uh, uh, f four weeks ago. And, um, and he was saying uh, when we were talking that um, uh, he sees that the uh, necessity that um, uh, Bundesliga coaches have to kind of re reinvent themselves uh, in a uh, three, four, five years uh, circle, because uh, football is changing uh, so quickly. Um, uh, he 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 didn't mention Favre in that context, but I had the impression that he kind of expected um, Favre to to partly reinvent himself. And and I think um, if you talk about that, you, you come to that point. They are um, Favre is not a, a pressing coach, so he, his um, tactics very often were uh, to sit a bit deeper and um, kind of um, uh, let the opposing team uh, come to situations where they had the feeling as if they had opportunities, but they uh, to block them uh, at that point and then. Um, create the, uh, the the game very slowly from from deeper down, and I think to an extent that's not working anymore, or that's not working for this Borussia uh, Dortmund team, and and partly they are adjusting to it. 
you can see uh, the same, we can talk about that later on, you can see the, the same development at uh, Bayern Munich. They also uh, are pressing more than they uh, used to under Niko Kovac. And I think that's uh, what, what, what you need to do in the Bundesliga right now. And, uh, and m maybe in the end, uh, the Haaland, I mean, he is not the, the, uh, there to press, he is there to score goals, but he, he uh, is helping to show another direction. That's what I think. Well, Borussia Dortmund wouldn't be the first uh, big club to expect a manager to change uh, when he arrives. Um, that's perhaps one of the uh, one of the issues there, but not just there. But one word uh, on the other Swiss manager involved in that game, Martin Schmidt. He had a bit of a reputation at Mainz for just having teams run a lot, but not playing a lot of football. But perhaps we have to give him a bit of credit. This Augsburg team. They do play a bit, don't they, Christoph? A bit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a harsh. harsh. I, 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 yeah, I'm not. I, I, I'm not a. I'm 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 not a big fan of of Martin Schmidt football. But you're right. Um, he is. Um, uh, you can see. I mean, they, we have a, a re repeating pattern of 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 arguments going on here. So so also here you have someone who who is laying the foundation of a, intensive. Um, uh, uh, high press uh, and uh, and Martin Schmidt, who had a very bad start this season with with Augsburg, now uh, has it looks like as if things are going. Um, but um, oh, yeah, um, sometimes they 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 look good against uh, Borussia Dortmund, partly. Uh, but uh, yes, I'm not a big fan. Sorry. But I think that's also because Dortmund made it easy for them. That's why. That's why Augsburg looks so good. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it, it's it's what AI. It's what Jonathan says. So when you look at at, at some of the goals, it's like, um, yeah, they they come from from not from creating so much, but but from um, uh, from from uh, as a result of the high press of of Augsburg, and uh, that's good. I mean, that's uh, their means, and that's uh, uh, very much okay. But uh, again, I'm not a big fan. I get the same that Martin Schmidt's not going to be the uh, cover star of the next uh, Freunde <laughs> magazine as the next uh, big thing in German football. But it, uh, what about uh, Union Berlin? Are they to, their, to your taste of football, uh, Christoph? You went to see them in Leipzig. What was the atmosphere like and what did you make of the game? Um, uh, Unionia was very good um, uh, within their limitations. Um, I, I mean, they are the, the team uh, with the uh, second uh, lowest um, uh, personal wa uh, wages in, in the Bundesliga. So, um, but but I, I think they are um, playing much better. And, and they were, were actually playing uh, pretty well. Um, but... RB Leipzig was really, really strong, really, really impressive. They struggled in the first half, were one nil down, and then um, uh, returned. And it's uh, it was um, impressive to see them. And I personally was deeply impressed by Upamecano, who is uh, probably the best uh, uh, defender in the Bundesliga. So he is a, a mountain of a man. He is fast and he is also clever in his defending. I, and I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be surprised to see him next season or in the future with one of the big, big, big clubs in, in, in Europe. He is a wow. He is uh, a one-man army. Uh, Jonathan, were you impressed with what you saw from Leipzig? Did we see 
the next German champions play there? I mean, it's difficult to say no. Um, what's that br- brilliant stat about them? They've scored three or more goals in nine straight games in the league. No Correct. team's ever done that before. I mean, that's that's a crazy number of goals, isn't it? I mean, Christoph's, Christoph's right. I mean, they were so impressive. I mean, when you've got the combination of a, of a system that's sort of such a stranglehold on the opposition and someone like Timo Werner who is in the form of his life um, and seemingly anybody else who wants to score is invited to score, it's very difficult to, to stop them but also not to consider them. I mean, they have a, a little bit of a Vorsprung, as we might say in German, but um, they've got to be considered. You know, Obviously, you can take the whole Nagelsmann never been here before, this team never been here before conversation into account, but I think yeah, they've got to be uh, taken seriously now because you know it's only one game in 2020, but I think they mean business and there's no reason why they can't um, keep strangling teams when they play against them because it's just, it's so dominant. And Timo Werner scores the, scores the odd nice goal as well. He does, yeah. What a goal that was. What a goal. I mean, he, also, he said after the game, which I thought was quite telling and maybe a good sign uh, going forward for him and the team, he was quick to talk about his teammates. And I always think that that's an important sign. You know, often the media is quick to, to offer the praise to an individual, but I thought, oh, fair play. He was quick to, to say that it wasn't just all him and that he was happy for the team. So that was good. Good sign. Yeah, when when it comes to to the the, the question if if Leipzig is uh, can win it, uh, the answer is yes. Um, they're good enough. Um, there's one one aspect of winning a championship uh, that you always have to consider. Mostly, you need some kind of experience within a club. Um, people who know how to win championships. That sounds a bit strange. I mean, um, but but. Uh, uh, towards the end of the season, when when you when you really really uh, see the chance to to win uh, to win the trophy, um, people can get nervous. Players, coaches, managers, people around the club, and so on. And so then you need someone, whoever that might be, uh, that guides you to this uh, kind of uh, situation, or. You have something like uh, a Leicester had uh, when they were winning uh, the Premier League that you are just flying without recognizing it, it anymore, and and you're in the flow. And um, but I um, I think there is this option uh, for for Leipzig to 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 get in, in into the flow, and um, because they are young, they, it's so fresh everything, and um, they don't have a, a proper umfeld or so a proper surrounding of old players, old advisors, and so on, because the um, the this uh, is a, is is not a football club, but it's a it's a uh, yeah it's a, it's a company more or less, and that could help them. Yeah, they they don't get advice from the two thousand and nine. A fifth division winning team on how to. <laughs> well, maybe they do. do we just don't know about it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, from one Berlin club to another, Hertha, uh, they certainly weren't in the flow against Bayern. Pushed them all the way in terms of frustrating them in the first half, but then really crumbled and lost four nil. Uh, it's easy to look down on their big plans and visions, but this was a bit of a reality check, perhaps, Jonathan. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
I thought this whole, you know, this whole big city club thing is, is difficult not to, not to look down on, but not to smile at. I think it's important that, you know, mid-table teams have aspirations. Um, but I, I think it falls into the category of, you know, you know, we try, we lose, we win, we fail. You know, the, it falls into the category of, of Hertha Berlin's great marketing slogans or, or, you know, ideas to improve. But the reality, as we saw on, on the pitch on Sunday, is just so different from, from what they envisage this club to be. And ironically, the smaller city brought the bigger club and uh, delivered the better performance. So <laughs> it's, hard to, uh, it's hard to argue. I mean, it, Hertha... I feel like they're forever stuck in this loop of trying to be something that they're not. Um, and yet also just having a little bit more quality than other teams to, to not be involved in, in relegation battles in, in recent years, that is. But I can't see it. I think it, it, it just, it sounds good, but it, it's maybe not what it's all cracked up to be. Maybe a bit like Berlin, you know? It's, it, it looks great. Everyone talks about it. It's brilliant. But maybe it's not always as great as it sounds. Christoph, can you explain quickly the uh, brouhaha about Jürgen Klinsmann's license? What happened there? Um, so, so a coach needs to have a license, and uh, uh, and to keep it being valid, you 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 have to do a certain amount of courses and um, to refresh it more or less. And um, obviously, um, he he didn't uh, did not present it in time. Uh, in the end, he presented it in time be, before the start of the match. But it was it it, it took a while. It was some somewhere on his uh, laptop or somewhere on in the drawer back in in California. And uh, so so he needed to assemble this information to to officially be the uh, head coach of. Um, Hertha BSC uh, before the match against Bayern Munich, so that was a like uh, yeah it it, it 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 was a bit of ha 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 and um, but uh, but and it it didn't fit to uh, to 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 the story uh, Hertha is t uh, trying to 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 tell that. Uh, there's a fresh new start and and everything is going uh, pretty well forward now and with the big investor coming in and with the with the uh, coach with the big name is coming in that who oh surprisingly doesn't uh, have a proper license uh, maybe yeah I mean uh, Hertha is I'm, I mean I live in Berlin and, um, and and people like to mock Hertha so they they li like to joke uh, li like to joke about the club and in in a way um, uh, they they don't find the right to, for my impression they don't find the right tone to to present themselves Jonathan was mentioning this uh, strange uh, slow that they were presenting to their supporters but but it, it it goes to everything and and then you 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 you're talking about being the big city club and 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 you're lo losing four nil against Bayern Munich ooh without having yeah I think they had one one chance or one and a half chances to score a goal they um, they were defending from my impression very passively and uh, so it was it didn't at all look like the uh, restart, the um, reboot, reset of Hertha BSC. Okay, before we go, what about the story that Bayern are telling about themselves, which is everything is much better under, under Hansi Flick. Are you, the two of you, convinced 
that this is true? Um, um, so what, from what I, I went to the Olympia Stadium yesterday and, um, and what, what I already said about um, uh, Bayern Munich and, and the question of, of, of the high press, I'm, I, I, I like that um, uh, Hansi Flick has changed uh, the style of uh, Bayern Munich slightly. So they are more, they are defending higher, um, a bit more actively uh, than they did. And um, to me, um, the, the first half was a bit uh, dry, I would say. But uh, in the second half, they 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 looked they looked good. Uh, they um, seemed to enjoy themselves. I always love to see uh, Thiago play. Uh, he's a, he um, and and uh, obviously uh, he enjoyed himself very much and um, and and uh, in the end they were uh, the way better uh, team and in general um, I I think you can see a, a positive development um, under under Flick uh, but but still you're right there are a lot of open questions about the uh, development of Bayern in general. Jonathan, one more word from you, a quick one. Yeah, I'd say better, but maybe not much better. Okay, that's uh, very critical. Well, I can say that this wasn't just better, but the best ever Starcast uh, podcast. <laughs> maybe we can improve on this one next week. But in the meantime, thank you very much for listening and thank you to Christoph and Jonathan for coming on. Well, that concludes the first edition of Stahlcast. Remember, if you want to read more about German football, subscribe to The Athletic for 40% discount using the discount code GERMANPOD. <laughs>